Tailgate is live, an emergency edition. We were going to record this Wednesday, Tuesday episode to publish Wednesday, as we normally do, but we have to go live. We have, there's an emergency. Brian Kelly, a guy who's a friend of the show who's been on this podcast, yes. is no longer at Notre Dame. No longer, no longer a friend of the show. No, he's still <laughs> a friend of the show. Your immediate reactions when you saw this? I was floored. I mean, I did not expect it, quite obviously. We talked about it, the Lincoln-Riley stuff on yesterday's show, and at no point did Brian Kelly cross my mind as being a potential candidate for any of these jobs. Even when it got first reported that they had interest, I'm like, okay, interest does not equate to actually going the there. They had interest. Off. Yeah, exactly. They had interest in – I have interest in you know hiring Bill Belichick to be my head coach too, but it's not doesn't mean it's going to happen. But they did. They rolled up with you know $15 million a year, which I don't care who you are. Where you're at in college football, $15 million a year is going to be difficult to turn down. And so... I mean, especially for an LSU program that has won three national titles in 20 years. Yeah. Like, this is... And you could talk to any recruiting analyst, any college football analyst in the world. LSU is easier to bring in, groom, high, perform, high star talent than it is yeah. at Notre Dame. That's yeah. a fact. Yes. So, from everyone's perspective involved, I honestly don't blame... Like, I don't blame Brian Kelly at all. And for his sort of, you know, quote-unquote legacy as a coach, you could leave a much bigger imprint on college football at LSU. Like, going toe-to-toe with Nick Saban there in the SEC, week, you know, year after year, if you can rise to the top and be the perennial contender there in the SEC West, you, you've left a bigger imprint on college football. Mm-hmm. What you, the recruiting restrictions that Notre Dame offers in terms of who you can bring into your program and what they have to do once they are in the program – is going to hamper you in today's college football landscape. It just straight up is. I don't care how big of a brand they are. But I will say, Brian Kelly, at this point in time, I think you left Notre Dame program in a great spot. I think it's a very different feel if you're a Notre Dame fan than if you're an Oklahoma fan in terms of oh yeah how that, how that program is set up to succeed for the future. Because he had kind of taken a step back. We even talked about it. He took a step back from being involved in the minute of game planning and all this stuff and was more of a CEO Whereas he let Tommy Reese handle the offense, he let Marcus Freeman handle the defense. Basically, those were their sides of the ball, and like they're the guy they had to retain or need to retain now going forward. In my opinion, is Marcus Freeman. That is sort of the future of this team. He is if he's going to take you into that next generation of competing for national championships. He is the best recruiter to do so. He's two four seven third overall ranked recruiter last recruiting season. He is if you ever been in a room with them, you just know that guy has a different presence to him that some people have and some people don't. And so I think he, to me, would be the front runner who I would pick to be the next head coach. But to retain both coordinators is that's what you have to do if you're Notre Dame. You have to maintain that stability because you can't have what's happening to Oklahoma right now where it's Complete kind of a mad reset. dash out the door for everybody involved. I mean, because Lincoln Riley took some of his best coaches, yeah. right? He took some of his best coaches to USC. You see, though, Brian Kelly, the rumors are he's trying to bring Freeman to LSU. Yeah, everyone, yeah I don't blame him. If Freeman, if Freeman leaves Notre Dame, because I think Freeman should be is, is probably the favorite to get that job, right? I think a lot of Notre Dame wants him to be the head coach. I mean, even Brian Kelly said he's going to be the next head coach of Notre Dame. Yeah. But if, say, Freeman does leave, which I think he could leave for, defensive coordinator gig with Brian Kelly he's trying to make him the highest-paid defense coordinator in college football. And – I don't blame him for that. Yeah. Where where does your head go in terms <laughs> of names? That's when it gets more difficult. And I, Bruce Feldman wrote a great article breaking down the best options. Feldman, obviously of the athletic friend of the podcast, way more connect, is about as connected as any college football writer, insider, whatever. He highlights Matt Campbell from Iowa State. That one to me, from kind of what I've heard about Matt Campbell, 
I would love it from a developmental standpoint. He's obviously done a great job of getting the most out of his talent, you know, turning around a program, but I don't think they really need a turning around at this point. I think they need a recruiter. I don't think Campbell, from what he's done at Iowa State, has really gone in and changed from a recruiting standpoint what they've gotten. That, to me, like Luke Fickle would be the guy. He's number two here on this list, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati. Like, they've actually brought in not only developed dudes very well, but started getting Cincinnati up in the recruiting rankings, bringing in guys that maybe they shouldn't, you know, competing with Ohio State for guys and still bring them to Cincinnati. That would be the guy to me. If you're going to go on the outside, that is who I would name. But shit, at this point with college football landscape, I mean, see what I was going to say, you know, see what Nick Saban, see, see if he's what he's <laughs> up to with the way coaches are moving. No, I mean, like, shoot your shot, I will say. If you are going to go outside the program, set your sights high. I think Freeman will be the most discussed, right? But if they do go outside of Freeman, I think their AD said they're – not hiring a firm, they're staying in-house, and they're yeah. going to look for this guy on themselves. Which, search firms are the dumbest thing in America. You, if you, What do you need someone to tell you that you can't see yourself through literally watching other teams play football? I, I don't know, but... Fair yeah. enough. I think it's Freeman, Fickle, and then Urban. That's who I think their three targets are going to be. I do think that's what's going to happen. I, I honestly do. Urban, after the Columbus nightlife incident, whatever we want to call that, is not is not an option. He's not going to go to Notre Dame. You Notre think? Dame is not going to, with the optics of that. Look at the camera and say that. Hire him. Urban Meyer is not going to be the head coach of Notre Dame. I'll just say that right now. I, I would love it. I had wanted him way back when. I wanted Gruden way back when, when they hired Kelly. <laughs> Neither of those guys are going to be the head coach of Notre Dame right now. Let's just keep it real. Yeah, I don't think Gruden is as likely as Urban. You saw Urban shutting down some of those rumors, but he could shut down all the rumors he wants. He could jump in. This is true. Lincoln Riley was shut down. Everyone shut down rumors. What did you think? We haven't talked about this part of it. How Brian Kelly left. So Brian Kelly, this is announced before mm-hmm. he's able to like let his team know. And he sends a what was now a, what was like a publicly shared like looks like a Slack message or group yeah. or something to the team saying, "Hey, I hate you found out this way. That sucks. Whatever, whatever. I'll let you guys know more about it." At seven a.m. meeting, and then that seven a.m. meeting per reports lasted eleven minutes, and he was out. And before that, no, twenty minutes after that meeting. He changed his Twitter profile and all that shit to like Baton Rouge and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, this was a quick, quick breakup for Brian Kelly. That sounds like one of my breakups. Yeah, but, I know. I know. Uh, I will say, better quick. I've learned from better quick than long. You don't want to drag it out. So uh, no, no problem for me there with the eleven minutes. Uh, you don't need <laughs> you don't need all this explanation about why the new guy is that much better than you. You know, you just want to hear yeah. it, get to the right to the point. Um, but I will say. The fact that he didn't text, like, assistant coaches, that to me is bigger. Like, there was a report that an assistant coach had just left a recruit's house and finds out via social media that this was going to happen. That's embarrassing. That's, that's the more embarrassing. That's, like, if you want – if you cared about Notre Dame's program and keeping it intact, you would contact your assistants to I mean, this isn't the, the first page. time Brian, like Kelly, yeah, Brian Kelly's done some shady shit. I mean, you uh, have that report that came out – or that old report that came out where Lafleur and Sala – yeah. Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala were grad assistants for him at C- CMU, Fire Up Chips. And they invited, They thought they were getting an invite to a party, but then when they get there, he tells them to work the fucking parking lot and clean up shit or whatever. Like that, Brian Kelly, yeah. I'm not surprised. Not surprised. Can we talk also Spencer Rattler? I know we said transfer mm. portal yesterday, but now there are rumors that ASU might be the favorite. Going back, so like you said, exactly said. Like what Everyone said. goes back home when they transfer. It's seemingly like they go back to where they grew up. It's, so this one, why not do you think that is? They just need a support group. Or and why? like Herm's a good Herm's a good recruiter, so that's not surprising to me at all. Like, oh, Herm's probably selling. He's a good him. recruiter. He's fucking pressing. <laughs> he's he's cheating in a lot of ways. <laughs> Marvin Lewis. He's got Marvin Lewis. He's got Marvin Lewis too. Quinn just screamed Marvin Lewis. That's kind of scared <laughs> me. Um, but this transfer portal seen up right. Like Spencer Rattler potentially going to Arizona State. 
You have Eli Ricks from LSU, former five-star. Dylan Gabriel, there's rumors that he could go to Ole Miss. Yeah. Zach Evans, the TCU running back. Jimmy That's Gabe, probably not Jordan done. Tech running back. This transfer portal is going to be nuts. And I'll say this. Talking to coaches last year, coaches that actually leverage the transfer portal are going to be the ones that benefit. Mel Tucker signed more people in the transfer portal, I think, than any other Power 5 coach. And he improved that Michigan State program so much this year. I think you have to – this is a new era in college football, and I know everyone wants homegrown talent. I think Mac Brown talked a lot about recruiting and all that stuff. But, man, the transfer portal is where these – you know, if you're not a top two, top three team in your conference, you need to leverage these open spaces, get people who are coming back home. Arizona State's never recruiting Spencer Rattler in their lives coming yeah. out of high school. Now they might actually get a shot. It's about to be – I mean, there's no transfer portal, like, hard and fast dates, sadly. But it's going to be like free agency in the NFL. 100%. Is what it's going to be like, which is cool. Like, it's as an outsider, maybe <laughs> not like if your program is kind of on its downside and you got guys moving out left and right, like maybe Oklahoma's going to happen, like we've seen with Georgia Tech, obviously. Maybe not so cool, but then that behooves you to get stability a head coach and a player's head coach, one that's going to actually, you know, not alienate guys and have bad blood in your program i think recruiting now too like again like there is like this like i want to recruit our guys from high school homegrown talent i think recruiting is twofold now recruiting high school kids and then recruiting transfers yeah. you need to be able to do both if you're going to be successful in college football let's get into monday night football again mm. before do we have to? monday night football not again let's get into monday, fo- monday night football before we get into the draft board update i know you want to look at some of the biggest risers and fallers in your top 100 Washington football team squeaks out a win I thought they were going to lose, man. I thought this was going to end up being a loss. Taylor Heineke drives down the football field. Their kicker gets hurt. They go for it on fourth down to make it to end the game, to go two possessions. They miss it. Logan Thomas arguably drops that football, isn't able to get it in. And then Russell Wilson drives down the football field. Wide open shot to Freddie Swain. Go for two. Pick for Kendall Fuller. Washington football team ends up winning that one. They recover the onside kick. Seattle does. A friend of the show is called for an illegal formation <laughs> penalty. I won't say his name. A friend of the show is called Nick out. Nick Nick <laughs> Fire up chips. Fire up He's chips. called for an illegal formation penalty. They have to do the onside kick again. They don't recover. They ultimately lose. Nick Delore, fun fact, was recruited by Brian Kelly. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe. And Nick then Brian Delore Kelly left more. before he got there. Really? Did he <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. Um, this game, where I wanted to focus is, dude, the Seattle Seahawks are toast. No playoffs this year. Russell Wilson's obviously playing hurt. He's lost four straight starts. Are we crazy to say that Seattle's just going to blow this whole thing up this offseason? I don't, think, I don't think it's crazy to say at all because, I mean, we said it. This defense does not have the talent. Like, we've said it week in, week out. Cornerback group's bad. Defensive line has a dearth of playmakers. Like, there is issues there, and they got swept under the rug for a long time because Russ. Because Russ was an Top elite quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, an elite quarterback in the NFL. But now he's not, and he's not even close to that after that broken finger. It does not look like himself. So the mask has been ripped off. You are the sort of what you really look like has shown through, and it's not good. And you still have the conservative play calling and conservative tendencies of Pete Carroll shining through as well that, again, look way worse when you're not a good football team. And so they have a top five pick right now that's not theirs, that they've traded away for safety. And so you have – the GM making, having to answer for decisions like that, the Jamal Adams trade. You have Pete Carroll having to answer to decisions like his defense being cheeks and the conservative play calling. <laughs> and then you have an unhappy quarterback who, on a sinking ship, will almost 100% be asking out this offseason. 100%. 
I don't know how to salvage this, but I do think the route they'll take is house cleaning. I think it yeah. would. I think a house cleaning is the quickest route to being a contender again, too. Like trying to yeah. retool this with Russell Wilson and all that stuff, I think would be very difficult. Who are some. I mean, because you also have to factor in the fact that Pete Carroll's 70. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. 70 years old. That is. I believe he he's the oldest. I mean, he Holy does. Holy shit. But I believe he's the oldest coach in the NFL, right? Or either him or Belch. I'll look it up. I think he's the oldest coach in the NFL, which, like, how much longer is he? And he's incredible at relating to players. He is a player's coach. He gets the most out of his guys year in, year out. There's no, like, debating that. But how long is he going to have that it factor? And how long is it going to take before, like, the game kind of starts to pass you by at that point, and it straight up has in, in certain ways to Pete Carroll. So I do think that that is going to be a tough decision to make this offseason, but one that I think they're going to have to make because I think this is the sort of low point, or this you want this to be the low point, and you want to sort of come back up from it. Pete Carroll is the oldest coach in the NFL right go. now. Bill Belichick's the second oldest. Bruce Arians the third oldest. And the oldest coach in NFL history was who? Um, Marv Levy. George Hallis. Damn it. Coach till you're 73. Legend. Legend. Um, do we think, or I wanted to ask you what teams you feel like make sense for Russ next year. Oof. I could see if Derek Carr gets moved on. I could see the Raiders making a play, Green Bay making a play, if Aaron Rodgers leaves. There's so many teams. No would, way he would do that to Green Bay. He, he wants to go to New York, Chicago. L.A., but L.A.'s not, obviously. He wants to go to maybe big the Giants. Market. He wants to go to big market. Maybe the Giants. I mean, I could see him maybe going to the Steelers with, like, the, the obviously the fan base of the Steelers and whatever the pedigree they hot. have. But that's, like, he wants to be in a big city. He wants to leave a legacy. With all of this, I feel like I say this a lot, but, man, is there a better sport than football? Dude, you got Lincoln Riley go to fucking USC. You got Brian Kelly leaving for LSU. And then this offseason, you're probably going to see Aaron Rodgers go somewhere. You could see Russell Wilson hey, go somewhere. Who knows? To who knows? It is an insane, probably insane offseason. All right, let's get into this big board update. But before we do, working from home is more important now than ever. Optimize your home office with an next chair and our many X. Accessories. accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort. Once you feel the customized support of Extra's patented, dynamic, variable lumbar, there's no going back. There's honestly no going back. It's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation. Exclusively designed and made for X-Chair with a versatile comfort and extraordinary design. X-Chair fits any space, high performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X-Chair. Now I can't wait to be at work. And sometimes even if I'm not working, I sit in my X-Chair and I get into that feeling, that feeling, that really hot feeling now is the perfect time to purchase an x chair why now because now is the only time x chair goes on sale all year that's right only on black friday cyber monday weekend save up to 500 dollars in on x chair four days only on black friday cyber monday weekend go to xchairtailgate.com now that's the letter x chair t-a-i-l-g-a-t-e dot com x chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as low as 25 dollars a month Go to xchairtailgate.com and save up to $500, xchairtailgate.com. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Draft board update is live on pff.com. Your top 100 players in the NFL draft. Yes, sir. And the player that is now number one overall. Yes, sir. Is one of the biggest risers. Preseason, he was what? 29th. 29th. Now the number one overall player. Explain his ascent. Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan defensive end. Um... He played better football. 
<laughs> you know, that's the that's the ascent. No, I mean, he went from, and honestly, he kind of changed who he was. Like, he even said that, I believe, on the podcast when we had him on, that he lost weight this offseason. Yeah. He went from a guy who was kind of a tweener between the tackles. Like, he was more of a 3-4 defensive end in almost in his usage and body type. Like, he was 6'6", 275, 280, long arms, two-gapper type, the way he was utilized in that defense. Gets down to 260, plays exclusively off the edge, gains some juice off the line of scrimmage, and doesn't really lose any of that power that he's known for. And so he takes his grade into the stratosphere, highest graded defensive end in college football this year. And obviously had the broken leg early on last season, didn't get to really show. And I think that was a big part of him being at 29th. Like just purely what I saw on tape was probably a little bit better than 29th. But like coming 149 snaps and then you break a leg, miss the rest of the season, you're going to have to see what that guy's going to be yeah. when he comes back. And, oh, what was Aiden Hutchinson when he came back? An absolute monster. I mean, you didn't have to watch much more than the Ohio State game to realize what kind of a talent this guy is. Just 15 pressures against two tackles that are graded very well, graded very well so far this season. Not a lot of guys got the better of him. Shit, even David Ajabo in the same game didn't get the better of those two tackles the way Aiden Hutchinson did to that degree. Uh, so, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson at that point, like I said, yeah, the number one, he's the number one player in the class. Like, there's, I have very little doubt that he will be impact pass rusher at the next level. No other Michigan player in that game had more than three total pressures. Ajabo was one of them, and he had 15 total pressures. I don't think <coughs> – bless you. Excuse me. I don't think this stat can be said enough. The off, Ohio State offensive line has not allowed more than 13 pressures to any team this season. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson had 15 by himself. Yeah. That is absolutely insane. And – you go back to his 2019 tape, he was one of the few edge defenders that got home against Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. That matchup is one to turn on, turning on that all 22 from 2019. I am not surprised he is number one overall. Another I mean, big elite, elite trade, elite production. Yeah. Whatever you want. If, and he, if he tests as much as well as people say he's going to test, it's yeah. not even going to be close. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be close. Charles Cross, Mississippi State offensive tackle, preseason draft board 60, now up to nine. And he has not just been a riser for you. Yeah. He's been a riser for everyone. Love, everyone is all in on Charles Cross. Yeah, and I mean you got you don't have to look too much further than just PFF grade sixty four point four last year, and for him to be ranked sixtieth with a sixty four point four grade tells you like what kind of athlete we're working with for an offensive tackle six five three ten was a former five star recruit. The guy can move, but he allowed forty four pressures because that was his first year starter playing the SEC. Pass heavy offense is difficult. This year eighty six point seven overall grade, massive leaps in run blocking, pass blocking. And you see it again, 719 pass blocking snaps. The dude has played a full NFL season's worth of pass blocking snaps and then an add-on about 200 more. Like, that is tested. And he's held up against the best edge rushers in the country at that point. Uh, not too much more to worry about as a prospect. Like, you feel good when you see guys. that Again, that level of athleticism, that level of production, those are the guys draft highly. Two linebackers that have risen significantly, Utah's Devin Lloyd from 57 to 21, N'Kobe Dean from 23 to 11. Do you think ultimately both go in the first round? <sighs> now, don't, I, I already locked in N'Kobe Dean, so yeah. yes, ultimately one does. <laughs> Devin Lloyd has not made the lock segment yet, but he was debated this week. He, I'll give you a little spoiler. It's not him, but he was debated because he has played elite football and truthfully kind of did last year too. It was just... Shit, all the Pac-12 dudes had 
four games, five games, 340 snaps last yeah. year. He's played over twice that this year. Like, you didn't get a season on him. This year you did. He's probably the most complete linebacker in terms of you know, size, prototypical physical traits, athleticism, you know, taking on blocks, rushing the passer, coverage, man coverage, zone coverage, you know, just the total package for the linebacker position. The only thing is like that's kind of lacking is he doesn't he's not gonna test like Devin White. You know, he's not gonna run a four four, he's not gonna be that that kind of athlete. But he's still a damn good athlete. So at that point, yeah, I think he if, right now, if I had to say I think he does end up in the first round, but again, not the first round lock segment this week. That's fair enough. I think that's fine. I think these linebacker this linebacker class is sneaky good. Yeah. Nicobe Dean, like Devin him. Lloyd, Chad Muma. Those are all three guys that have graded really, really, really well. well this season. It'll be interesting to see how they test. I Dean will obviously be like the most polarizing guy. I think he could do some absolutely absurd things at the combine. But man, Christian a lot Harris of like kind productive of the wild, guys. Right? Alabama's like, Christian Harris kind of the wild card in there in that he has not graded out well, but he is an elite athlete, and so he remains to be seen what he'll look like. Are any of the out. Wisconsin guys draft eligible? Yeah, I think they both are. Yeah, Stan Morgan and Chanel. Chanel. Um, Chanel was a debatable for the top 100, didn't end up making the top 100, but he is in run defense. I mean, certain schemes, if like you're not asking much out of them in coverage, where it's just like maybe like man heavy teams, he could he could excel. So I think he's fringe top 100 player. For Jamison Williams, who's the next guy on your list, he's the 14th overall player on PFF's draft board, Alabama wideout, super speedster, former four star that transferred from Ohio State. Why is he not just a speedster? Because I don't. No one wants to fall for just a speedster anymore. People mm-hmm. realize that. Why mm-hmm. is he not just a speedster? He's got some shake to him. He's not uh, not straight liney. Um, it's interesting watching him play, and this is a terrible comp. I hate this comp, but I'm going to say it. He reminds me of just like a taller Deshaun Jackson, taller version of Deshaun Jackson, and that is just like the level of speed and just kind of like smooth. one, yeah, the, and the smoothness of his speed. Mm-hmm. It's not like. He doesn't look like he's he's just gliding, and he's just that much faster than you. And it doesn't matter how hard you're trying; he's still going to outrun you. Like he's still got whatever gear it takes, he's going to get to that gear. And that's, I mean, you've seen it this year. He's averaging twenty point six per catch in the SEC. That's that doesn't happen a lot, you know. Like Henry Ruggs was not doing that even. So yeah, Jameson Williams, and it's like. The reason he rose is because you didn't see him. You know, we, we didn't get to see him much prior to this year. The dude had 15 career catches at Ohio State before he transferred. Well, and why do you think he said that? Why was that? I mean, they got three all-stars there, man. That's, yeah. uh, I wouldn't put, like, what I'm saying is that's not a knock on Williams. In my no. Opinion. I think they have talent. Top, they're, they're, their top five receivers are all insane. you got Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, there is a lot of talent at Ohio State, so no doc there. I mean, yeah, but the, he's uh, gone to Bama and been he's been better than Mechie, right? And Mechie was this yes. coveted Bama receiver that a lot of people were on their preseason draft boards putting in the top fifty, top forty. Williams has outperformed him starting, you know, soup to nuts. Yeah, people looking at breakout age, which I, I do like for a lot of positions. You when a guy has a unique situation like a Jameson Williams, I tend to forgive a later breakout age, you know, like when you're behind two other guys who will more than likely go in the first round, maybe three other guys, possibly, then, then I'm going to say, Hey, we'll, we'll let that one slide. The next guy on this list is probably the one I'm most nervous about with this ascent, just because it's happened so fast. Yeah. David Ajabo, who didn't start playing football, I think until like 2017, 2018. That's a, that's like a big part of why I believe in it. Yeah. You know? Only played 26 snaps in 2020. 
This year has played 476 snaps for Michigan, has an 89.3 pass rushing grade, 39 pressures on the year. He has three or more pressures in every game since week five. Mm-hmm. He has been impro- literally improving every snap with how much football he's played. I mean, you saw that yeah. special on game day before the Michigan-Ohio State game. He said he's still learning the rules. He didn't understand why people spiked the ball a couple weeks ago to stop the clock. Like, this guy is legitimately fresh. Yeah. And that, we always talk about, you know, you talk about a lot about this with age, right? Like, oh, he's a younger mm-hmm. player, and he's already performing well. I think it's very similar with experience, right? Like, and this is a very inexperienced player that is already dominating college offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not a guy that hits the ground in a full sprint in the NFL, I think it's a guy that could develop, but still, this is one of those guys where, like, man, what he could get to in the future could be absolutely insane. Yes, he was born in Nigeria, moves to Scotland when he's seven, comes to New Jersey as a sophomore in high school, and plays. I want to know, like, how big he was because he played soccer when he got here. And obviously, like, plays soccer from being in Scotland. That's probably the game everyone played. Not a lot of football going on in Scotland, but plays soccer plays basketball and then his junior year starts playing football and so that is the basically genesis of how long this guy has and like you said doesn't even know about playing football five years he's been watching playing the game that's it and so for him to again break out this late i can forgive a guy because this is fifth year of football and he's been elite when he has been on the football field like i said three pressures every in all those games 89.3 pass rushing grade and then the tools 6'5", 250, long arms, burst off the edge. Already has some actually nice pass rushing moves in his arsenal that, like, for them to be doing that this quickly, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. He's also only 20, 21 years old, right? Like, he's still, like, in addition to inexperience, he's also a very young player as well. Man, what Michigan has done, though, to develop, recruit, groom, specifically defensive line talent. Every position but quarterback. Well, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I I agree because Jackson Hill, they have some talent in the secondary still. But this defensive line has been insane. Maurice Hurst, Rashawn Gary, Aiden Hutchinson, Quiddy Pay, um, Chase Winovich. They have had so much, like, legit yeah. athletes and Charles legit, Wormley. like, productive players. It has been Jim Harbaugh. Shout out to Jimmy. Before we get to the more risers here, right now at PFF, you can get 40% off any PFF subscription using code CYBER40. Cyber 40 now through December 6th. If you listen to Mike and I all the time, right, and you're like, oh, man, love all the grades they bring up, all that shit. You can go to PFF.com right now. Cyber 40 gets access to all that stuff, all the locked article content, Mike's draft guide that comes out in January. It's going to be an absolute treat. Make sure you go to PFF.com. Use promo code Cyber 40. Kenny Pickett will be talked about as this Jenny. No, Jenny. Who the fuck is Jenny? Joe Burrow riser at quarterback position, right? A guy that no one had pegged as even in the conversation with Spencer Rattler before this season. But, man, at Pitt this year, a 92.3 PFF grade in, what, his fifth season there at Pittsburgh. He has been phenomenal. You said it, I think, on the Chris Collinsworth podcast. He's played like the best quarterback in college football, yeah. and that's just a fact. It is. It's just a fact. That's and just and a he's, fact. Been, he's been very good. And now there are aspects of his game that I worry about translating to the NFL, but he's 6'3", 220 with a big arm. Uh, like that's, those are good starting points for translating to the NFL. The physical tools about his game will translate to the NFL. He's got some mobility to his game. Not a runner per se, but can make plays outside the pocket. And he didn't have a bad game. He didn't have a bad game this season. His lowest passing grade is a 70.1. That is a better, worse game than even Joe Burrow's coming out. And Joe Burrow, we talked about, didn't have a bad game. Kenny Pickett. All 
all games that should have been enough to win for his respective team. Obviously, his defense let him down. That's why I'm saying he should have been, should be in the Heisman conversation. Now, I think it's good to Aiden Hutchinson, but Kenny Pickett should have been number two. I am confident that Kenny Pickett will be talked up as maybe a quarterback QB1, right? I, I don't yeah. you think he's going to get moved into that conversation. It, it will be. I mean, I think it will be decided at the Senior Bowl, honestly. Yeah. He hasn't accepted his invite to the Senior Bowl, though. He could be going to the East-West Shrine. Hmm. We don't know that. We don't know that. He could Aren't, be skipping it all together. Although I think this is the year if you're a quarterback. You, you got to go. You got to go. You have to go. Penn State's Arnold Ebichetti. That's how you pronounce it. I asked him himself. He's a friend of the show. He is another guy that has not played football for a long time, but has been dominant for Penn State this year. I think he's been one of the more impressive pass rushers from a skills perspective this year. Like, you look at yeah. Aiden Hutchinson's fucking insane, and he's the number one overall pick. But, like, the athleticism and stuff isn't the first thing you're bringing up with Arnold Ebiketti. You're bringing up the fact that he's using his hands well. He's got multiple moves. I like Ebiketti a lot. He and Jermaine Johnson, the Florida State edge, are two guys that aren't getting talked about a ton mm-hmm. in this class, like Ojabo, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Karloftis. But they are both really productive players this year and, like you said, a big riser this year as well. Yes, and honestly – I could see him ending up in the first round, depending on testing. Really? He's, he's been test. that good. He's got to test. Testing with him will be big because I think he's a, a plus athlete, but obviously combines reveals all. So 90.5 pass rushing grade this year, and he was very good at Temple, but he was kind of a one-year breakout in the shortened season, only 340 snaps at Temple last year with 88.3 overall grade. He's a senior, 90.5 pass rushing grade. I believe he'll be at the Senior Bowl. He accepted the Senior he Bowl did. invites. He did. He accepted a senior bowl invite. 52 pressures this year. And before it was Hutchinson clowning the Ohio State tackles, he had five pressures in that game. He did very well himself uh, against Nicholas Petit-Frere. So, yeah, Arnold Abichetti, honestly, I feel bad about putting him at 37. He probably shouldn't be even higher than that. Don't you feel that Aiden Hutchinson should personally apologize to Jackson Kirkland and Nicholas Petit-Frere for, like, single-handedly? Costing them money. Costing them money and dropping their draft Probably stock? should. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the, just give him. I Freer, mean, first overall pick. If Freer money. say he like sat out that game, yeah, his draft stock stays high. <laughs> like now that people are going to turn on that Making tape, like, what the? And so much of that too. We haven't talked about the specifics a ton. We're just like, oh man, he was a game wrecker. But so much of it was him oversetting and Aiden Hutchinson just going right inside. He was just countering, going inside, going inside, going inside. They had no no option. They had no option to stop him. Kyler Gordon, the next riser here, Washington cornerback, also. Um, According to Trent McDuffie, the most athletic person he's ever seen in his life. Yeah. Kyler Gordon. Two-time Freaks List member. Moves, moves different. Moves absolutely different in the secondary for Washington. Yeah, and so a guy who, again, we're going to say it with like all the Pac-12 guys, 134 snaps last year. It, hard to get a good handle on a guy in what should be his biggest year. That was his junior year last year, or I guess redshirt sophomore. And he only plays 134 snaps. So you see the skills athleticism six foot 200 prototypical size everything and then this year see it translate to a football field 89.6 coverage grade 21 to 41 targets for only 243 yards all season long and he did it in a more versatile role than even Trent McDuffie who is his teammate there at Washington the other cornerback who we're super high on but Kylie Gordon's the guy who's kind of going in the slot at times playing on the outside they wanted him around the football more 79.8 79.8 run defense grade. Very good in that regard. Very good in run support. Good tackler. Top 50 player after being unranked in the preseason. A couple more risers here, and then we'll get to some of the fallers. Don't want to spend too much time with the fallers. They still got opportunities. Yeah, we just got to give them, a, just give them Ken, some shout-outs. Kenneth Walker, the Michigan State running back, who 
was in the conversation for the Heisman after that big game against yeah. Michigan in East Lansing. He has been phenomenal for Michigan State. I think there's a good chance with the bowl game that he could break PFF records in yards after contact per attempt, force his tackles per attempt, all these things. He has been exactly what PFF looks for in the running back position in terms of creating yards. That's yards after contact, forcing his tackles, all that stuff. I do think that he's in the conversation for running back one, but I don't think he'll be the consensus RB1. I think a lot of people will flock to Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller. There's still a lot of time left. The testing will obviously change a lot of these things. But right now, Kenneth Walker, PFF's RB1. It's Kenneth Walker. Um, Yeah, I mean, what he's doing at Michigan State, and I know they added people in the transfer portal, but it's just – shouldn't be done at Michigan State, you know? Like, with what the talent they had around him, he should not be playing as well. I mean, I mean that offensive line has not graded well this year. Yeah. 89 missed tackles, forced missed tackles in the year on 262 attempts. I mean, just anything you want, he can do. He's an all-around back. And 53 on the PFF board because, shit, we hate running backs. True. But this is about – it's about – we're not going to put too many running backs that much higher than 53. I said this was – like a running back class without a true like difference maker i think walker can be a true difference maker at the next level do you know the two people in college football that lead in forceman's tackles one is kenneth walker the other is it's Bijan. malik willis malik oh. willis malik willis has the second most forceman's tackles of surprising. any player in the country last one here and this is a guy that you've thrown on my radar late sky moore where's number 24 wide receiver for western michigan listed at five foot ten, one ninety five, be interesting to see if he hits that five foot ten. But man, he has been this year's Deontay Johnson. Call this, right now. this year's Deontay Johnson. You're saying he's that good? Yeah, that good. Deont- this year's Deontay Johnson, I mean, 50, Sky Moore of Western Michigan, fifty fourth in the PFF board. True junior at eight hundred yards back as a true freshman. Obviously, last year only three ninety one, but not really on the radar because you know Western Michigan wide receiver putting up three hundred ninety one yards in a shortened season, whatever monster this year just watch him as a route runner the burst he has leads all of college football 24 broken 26 excuse me broken tackles after the catch 12 in the last two games if you go back and watch the tape the last two weeks against northern illinois eastern michigan unguardable and i think he's going to run somewhere in the 4-4 range he looks like he has legit speed and now the size isn't going to be great but good ball skills there's really like that is the biggest knock on him because he went 8 of 13 in contested situations. Like, he's physical. Uh, there's not too much else to really, like, bash. Other than Some of the competition he, he was didn't doing play good was bad, yeah. Other than that, like, he's doing it and killing dudes when they're not – they can't hold his jock, obviously. But I was like, say the same thing about Deontay Johnson coming out, too. Yeah. I'll never forget when you first put, you know, Deontay Johnson in the chat. And then there's that game he had against Miami. And Miami had no answers. Yeah. No answers to Deontay Johnson at Toledo. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any NFL team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 on any NFL team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling promo code 1-800-GAMBLER. Follower season. We don't have to spend too much time on this one. Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler didn't play well. 
looked a lot like he did last year, the same mistakes he made last year, gets benched for Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley leaves for USC, Caleb Williams the favorite to start in Oklahoma if he stays, Rattler now in the transfer portal won't declare for the 2022 NFL draft. He was not only the first overall player on PFS draft board, mm. but he was the favorite to be the first overall pick. Like yeah. People thought Rattler was the next in line. He obviously wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's not... He not still like, could... He's yeah. still good. Like yeah. The talent didn't go anywhere. He just did not improve. Not only didn't improve, like he got worse. And in a number of ways, and kind of like the bad habits they could get away with, got entrenched in a way because he could get away with them in Oklahoma's offense. So I do I do in a kind of a, from a draft perspective, would like to see him go to a situation where maybe it's not great, where maybe he's not going to be able to freelance as much as he did at Oklahoma, where maybe he has to play within the offense more and see how he reacts to that. Um, because what he did this season was just tough, tough to watch. So, uh, yeah, Spencer Rattler, obvious, obvious faller. DeMarvin Leal. Fifth overall ranked player, another guy with just insane tools. Still high on him. Yeah, still fell, fell, fell thought, from five to twenty twenty two. Yeah, or twenty twenty. Fell from five to twenty two. Well, Why do you think he, is it? Is it just because he gets played up and down the defensive lines because he doesn't have an opportunity to rank? You know, play in one position, or is it like you know the plays like you know plays like Jane looks like Tarzan situation where like where the when is this going to show up? And I think yeah. when guys like Leal, who have all this athleticism, have all these tools, don't put it on. I think I'm always nervous of those guys, right? It's like why – you have to yeah. identify why is he not playing up to expectations. Similar yeah. to like the Rashawn Gary question, yeah. right? It's like why is Rashawn Gary this freak but not even grading as well as his teammate Chase Winovich? And yeah. I think finding identifying why will give you a better idea of where to put him on your draft board. Yeah, I mean, Leal wasn't bad this year by any means, but again, didn't take a step forward. Like we're, you project guys with a sort of in mind that they're going to – progress the way their tools suggest they'd progress and then when they don't that's concerning and now he still has the tools if if you just never saw 2020 and looked at 2021 you'd be still impressed with this guy like it's not like he's dead in the water as prospect obviously he's still 22nd on the pff board but it was just you the hopes the expectation was he would take it into the you know i, I don't want to say to make that leap that aiden hutchinson did but like make a sort of jump in his play like that. He just didn't see it. And again, we thought maybe, hey, playing him on the interior, a guy 290, maybe that could help him, and he looked worse on the interior. So, like, that's uh, why he falls on the PFF board. And, and I honestly think he's a likely candidate to come back to school. Yeah. Because he could be a top-five pick still. Like, that, he has that in him. It's just... He's got to put better on tape. Everyone's talking, too, about this Texas A&M recruiting trail they're on right now. They are burning it up. I think they have two of the top five 2022 recruits. I think they've flipped some guys to their way. Texas A&M is building a little bit of a monster down there. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Keaton Slovis didn't even crack your top 100. It was mm. 19th preseason. I think there's people talking about whether or not he transfers, stays at USC, or declares for the draft regardless. I do wonder because I feel like he'd be a good fit in certain ways for Lincoln Riley's offense. Oh. I mean, like... Yeah, I guess Lincoln Riley changes everything. Yeah. Like, he is accurate with the football. Like, that is his biggest strength. He is not mobile, but, like... Not super big-armed. But Oklahoma's offense doesn't necessarily need that. And not super big-armed, like, Jalen Hurts wasn't either to operate that offense. Now, obviously, Jalen Hurts is mobile. But, like, I think he could succeed in that offense. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that could succeed in that offense. But with who he is, like I said, from an accurate perspective, but the worst part was you didn't see a change in the bad decisions. Like, if you're going to be that guy, what Slovis is, 
And we thought, you know, with his level of actually how he could put the ball where he wants to put the ball, you got to start making better decisions with football because he goes from 21 turnover plays as a rookie, rookie, freshman, 13 turnover worthy plays in 2020, and obviously a shortened season, which was a lot more than he had big time throws, to then, you know, in this, what was it, seven games he started this year before, uh, like it kind of went back and forth between him and Jack Starr with the injuries and whatnot. 12 turnover really plays. He's still putting the ball in harm's way too much. And when you don't have, again, the tools, you better not, you better be playing some perfect football and he just wasn't. I, I would be, ins- it would be insane if he does transfer with this Lincoln Riley stuff. I guess it maybe comes down to what Riley wants. Does Riley want Slovis? We need to know. Has anyone asked him that question? I think like everyone's yeah. just been focused on the private jet set, like him getting his house spot and stuff. Two edge defenders that fell outside the top 32, outside the top 50. Nick Benito of Oklahoma and Zach Harrison of Ohio State. Why has Benito fallen so much? He's graded really well this year. He continues to put it on for Oklahoma. He just didn't get bigger. I mean, like, there's only so much you can do for a guy who's 240 pounds at the NFL level. And it's just not going to be an every-down player. And he's already kind of – he is an every-down player for Oklahoma, but, like, he is not an impact run defender by any means. Like, you – He's a guy that has to be protected in the running game already. And so I, I still do like him as a pass rusher, but, again, it gets more difficult at the NFL level when you don't have the power element, you don't have the size. You better be Micah Parsons, Von Miller as an athlete if you're going to be playing the 240s. I don't think he is near that. No, Not a lot of people are. What about Zach Harrison? Zach Harrison, the issue is not size, but it's been production yeah. at Ohio State. Yeah, he's just – Harrison's a little stiff, man. Like, he – had not taken that next step. Freak of nature, athletically, what he can do from a burst perspective at that size. But he is just not a turn-the-corner type of edge rusher. And at that point, I mean, you can maybe develop into a bull rusher, but, like, you should be – look at the last three games he had this season, two pressures in the last three games. I don't know, over 60 pass rushing snaps. That's just – he did not develop the way I would have hoped. Uh, and it's just kind of a – it's just kind of a stiff, honestly. Another faller, Noah Daniels, friend of the show. Do we just pour one out for TCU. Noah Daniels at this point? I mean, pour one out for his draft stock. He will not be going highly. But he, well, he could still he be a could good be coming NFL back, player. Right? I mean, he's got to play. He's only played yeah. 510 snaps in three years at TCU. That's the thing. Two games this year before he gets hurt again. That's He just keeps getting hurt, man. A guy cannot stay healthy. So I don't even know if coming back will necessarily help him. You know, like how much are you going to help your draft stack? Like someone's going to take him day three he's gonna because test of how, because of how, yeah, because of how athletic this dude is. He comes back and plays healthy. It's not like you all of a sudden lose that injury tag. True, because he lost three and seasons. He probably could get hurt know? again. I mean, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think he probably just you bite the bullet at this point. You just come out. Super nice kid, though. I mean, that interview yeah. we did with him was really fun. I thought he was. He's so. I mean, he is the guy that knows. You know, knows what's going on. He knows he's got the injuries. He knows he's got to play. I hope he does end up somewhere. And he can just stay healthy, man. That's all yeah. you got to ask for. Hope he, he can stay healthy. Mike Jones Jr., linebacker that played for Clemson for three years, didn't get a lot of play until 2020, 365 snaps in that abbreviated season. Mm-hmm. Then goes to LSU. Struggles to find the football field there, too. Yeah. And this year, just a 63.1 PFF grade. Another guy that a lot of people like the tools, but, man, has not shown up when given the opportunity. Yeah, and he'll probably come back to school. Um Great athlete for the guy who's 6'2", 234. Like, he can move, can cover, couldn't see the field because he didn't want to play run defense. And I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to play run defense either. <laughs> but I don't play linebacker for the LSU Tigers. And so it uh, will be interesting to see how he develops in the coming years because I think the tools are still there. But, like, 
you got to be showing more than he has uh, so far this season. Before we get to watch Wednesdays, bust watch, bust watch, locked, first round lock, watch, all that stuff, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. <clears throat> Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Alan Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. And every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a cater party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out in the link the link in the description below. Remember, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Bust watch. This one I've been waiting for you to bring up. Yeah. Because I loved him coming out of Michigan. And I loved him coming out of Michigan. And I Athlete, lo- talented, productive, flew sideline to sideline. Devin Bush... Now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, former first-round pick, top-ten pick, they traded up for yeah. shortly after the Ryan Sherry zero injury, trying to get the guy at linebacker again. After a 62.9 PFF grade in, as a rookie, 59.7 in 2020, just a 32.6 PFF grade this year. Horrendous yeah. in run defense. A ton of missed tackles. It's been, it's been a rough scene. It's been an absolutely rough scene. Yeah. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt, putting, letting him try to figure it out coming back from an ACL. But it's been getting worse is the problem it has not been getting better for him grades of 27.4 and 28.8 the last two weeks he's a liability in run defense nothing short of that I, I honestly i feel like they need to blitz him more like that is where he wins like he coming downhill kind of similar to Patrick with head of steam he is electric with his burst but only came as a pass rush 23 times this year um now obviously they know they can get home with four that's kind of why they have not blitzed him a ton. They have a very good defensive line, but he, he's you got to give him some, got to get his confidence back up because confidence is low right now. Just watching him play, yeah. And when you're playing, when you're fast like him and twitchy like him, when you play without confidence and you're reacting, you're thinking on the football field, not just reacting. That's when you know that's when your run defense great suffers. It reminds me of Patrick Queen as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Queen at LSU was flying sideline to sideline, confident with where he was going. Bush hasn't found any confidence, and he's in year three. Other bust watch, the better bust, Russell Wilson, question mark. Hall of Fame. Bust Hall of bust. Fame? You think he's a Hall of Fame? I'm, that's what I'm asking right now is if – I'm not saying this is the end, but, like, if we see a, a downturn in his play, like an Eli Manning-esque downturn where he just turns into I – mean, he's got a 73.9 overall grade this year. And now, yeah, injury is playing a big factor in that. He was definitely a lot better prior to the injury. But say we do not, say we do not see a bump. Say he gets traded, goes somewhere, and it doesn't work out. Is he done enough being drafted in 2012, winning the Super Bowl? Has he done enough to go to the Hall of Fame already? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think going to two Super Bowls, winning one, and grading as well as he has, he's been. But that's the thing. It's like grading. Doesn't matter in Hall of Fame. Average first, give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask Mike Zimmer. It's worth. Uh, Shit? No, was it grain of salt? Grain so, of salt? What is he, what's I don't know saying? what you're saying. Mike Simmer would say it's not worth its salt. Not worth a grain of salt. Whatever. Whatever. I couldn't. Anyway, Russell Wilson. Ru- for me, Russell Wilson, I think needs to play better, longer, and potentially go in a deep postseason run again. 
I, in my opinion. I don't think I don't think I'm ready to put him in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I agree. Brings, I agree. I don't up, think I am either. But it's like he could pro- if he farts out like five more average seasons, then he will be. <laughs> Can you not say he farts out? <laughs> if he farts out five more average seasons, yeah, then he, he will. will be. He will. I mean, because the career numbers will just blow up, and yeah, he'll be in there. It would yeah. be career numbers then. But because now, well, can I say something about the Hall of Fame? I think I've been on this rant before. You hate volume stats. No, I don't hate oh, volume I hate stats. stats. Frank Gore doesn't want a Hall of Fame. Whatever. Whatever about that whole thing. I saw people were voting on the Baseball Hall of Fame recently. And I think Charles McDonald, who's been on this pod, he's, he does great work, I think, for USA Today. He quote tweeted a Baseball Hall of Fame voter who said, I have zero players on my ballot this year. None of them I feel are deserving to go to the Hall of Fame. Whatever, whatever. And he quote tweets it. And I think there is some merit to this conversation. Like, do you even like baseball? Why are you not putting people in the Hall of Fame? I like that way more than the current NFL version. NFL just puts like at least five every time. It's like if you do that, this is not like a Hall of Fame. This is just like a Hall of Good. I mean, this is like all the best players every year. It's like we just keep putting them in. We don't stop. How? There's no way because like there's just no way that that many players are Hall of Fame worthy. Like that is the percentage is just going to be absurd. Eventually, you're just going to put every fucking one in. I do like baseball i would prefer baseballs and you can vote for as many as you want yeah like you can get a dozen in if you want which uh, is fine I, I'm yeah. not, I, it shouldn't be a limit i do i do think a flexible entrance is better the nfl puts at least like five or six in every single year yeah and that's ridiculous but i do think my take is baseball does this thing where they won't vote you on the first ballot but then they'll vote you on the second ballot yeah yeah which is good no 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 that's not good if you're gonna if you're gonna vote for a guy, you vote for the guy. You don't say, oh, "I'm gonna keep you off this year." That to me is self serving bullshit that makes baseball writers gives baseball writers the reputation that they have, which is that they like to sniff their own farts. <laughs> that is that is absurd. If you think a guy should be long and all up, and you vote him in as soon as because you've already had it's yeah, not like, fair, a, it's fair, not like fair, his career is you don't vote immediately after his career and then it's like oh I had time to digest. No, it's five years later already. Yeah, you don't need more time to digest. Make up your mind and write it in the first time. There. Do you think take. so? I'm looking at some and of these, the these finalists well. for the Hall of Fame for this year, for the NFL Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson. Okay, in. You think he's in? Robert Mathis. Ooh, that one's tough. Anquan Bolden. Also tough. Jared Allen. He's probably going to get in. David Hester. Zach Taylor. David Hester in. Demarcus Ware. Reggie Marks Wayne. Ware in. Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis. Vince Wilfork. In. Steve Smith. Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour gets. Those, yeah, are you, are you kidding me? Last three, probably not. Richard Seymour gets in the Hall of Fame. Was, that, when was Richard Seymour like the best at his position? We have grades on Richard. He was Seymour. maybe like the best three-four defensive end for a two-year stretch, and that's like a limited skill set. Richard Seymour, I only remember from the Raider days because I'm an, a young oh, piece of yeah, shit. Well. But I'm going to look back at some of his Patriots grading here from 2001. Or no, we don't have grades on full 2001, 2006 to 2012. He never earned a grade above 72. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't. I, I just think we just put any players we want in. Like, oh, fuck it. The most notable Richard Seymour moment is when he punched Big Ben. All right. Off of this. Maybe Seymour was good. I'm just a young loser. <laughs> I'm talking about 2006 grades when I was nine. Breakout watch. Jonathan Allen, Washington defensive tackle. He's been breaking out. He's been good. But he's not been, like, this good. Breakout watch because he was good. And people were like, yeah, he's a good defensive tackle. This is an elite defensive tackle now. This is a guy who is in the he's joined the tier below Aaron Donald. It used to be Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones. Fletcher Cox falling off. Now I believe it's Jonathan Allen and Chris Jones. That's the tier below Aaron Donald for guys who are legitimate. Jeffrey Simmons in that tier? No, Jeffrey Simmons not in that tier yet. Javon Hargrave in that tier? 
Javon Hargrave. Who's in that tier? tier? It's it's Chris Jones and I just told you. That's it? Chris Jones, Jonathan Allen. That's the tier of the DTs. Buckner? Behind maybe Cameron Haywood. Okay. Maybe. But that's it. That's the tier. Fair enough. There you have it. Uh, but I will say, number three overall player of the PFF draft board is coming out, so we got it right. Wait, say that again? He was number three on the PFF draft board coming out. <laughs> he just said that so fast. Yeah. With Watch, a player we both liked coming out. But should have adjusted after the combine, in my opinion. Yeah. Jalen Rager, the TCU wide receiver, now plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. The ball skills have not been there. We talked a ton about at TCU, he was not throwing a ton of accurate passes, but he could create separation down the football field, this vertical route tree, but stiffer than people expected at the combine. Mm-hmm. Did not move side to side in the shuttle of the three cone as people expected. And honestly, he struggled to create separation in the NFL all his entire career so far now. Yeah. People want to bring up the drop and stuff, like him not catching that, but he was also a like cover, right? Like every single time you look at a Rager play, like he's yeah. he's getting covered. He, there's not a lot of times where he's the, wide open. The funny thing was, and we didn't really talk about the, the drops. We are more focused on Hurts. But, like, the funny thing was earlier in the game, I remarked after he had, like, a sideline, I think it actually set up their first score, that he had the best catch of his career. He had the best catch of his career in that game, which was, like, kind of a contested back shoulder leaping catch. And I was like, whoa. That was Rager. Didn't expect that. Best catch of his career. And then blows two game winners later on. Um, I'm not going to write him off completely. I, I do think his speed and can be a weapon. And he is still a little dangerous with the ball in his hands, but he is not worthy of the pick where they took him. I, I think we can get comfortable no, with that. I mean, they took him over Justin Jefferson. Took him over. Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, three wide receivers that were drafted directly behind him. I think you would comfortably say you take all three of those guys, at least Jefferson and Pittman, over Rager right now. Last but not least, the first-round lock. Antti Higgins, four, all four of those guys. The first-round lock for 2022. The much-anticipated. Should I go through the yes, names always go through the list. Of who we got. Because we have locked in 14, I believe. Yeah, 14. Some of right. these guys are going back to school, though, right? Possibly. Kayvon Thibodeau. Feel good about that one. Derek Stingley, feel good about that one. Evan Neal, the Alabama tackle. Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan edge. Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame safety. Feel all good about all those. Then we went to Marvin Leal, Texas and defensive end. That one, TBD. Tyler Linderbaum, Iowa center, 100% going to go in the first round. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State wide receiver. I feel good. I've seen wide receiver rankings with him as low as wide receiver four. I still believe. Iki Aquanu, NC State tackle. 100% go in the first round. George Karloftis, Purdue edge. Yeah, I, I, I feel good still. Nicobe Dean, Georgia linebacker, 1,000%. Charles Cross, Mississippi State tackle, yeah. Jamison Williams, Alabama wide receiver. That one was recent. Jordan Davis, Georgia defense tackle, also very recent. Still feel good about those. And as you'll notice, no quarterback yet this week. We're locking in a QB. And it's none other than... Pittsburgh's hitty picket. Really? Got to be a first-rounder. Wow. Yes. Over Corral. Over Corral. I just think NFL-wise, I think Corral is 6'1", 205. He plays in an offense that is not NFL offensive-y, shall we say. No, we shan't ever say that again. Okay, it's not NFL offensive-y. Kenny Pickett is 6'3", 220. Kenny Pickett has a rocket. I mean, Corral does too. But Kenny Pickett's more pro-typical traits. People are going to watch tape. And say, I buy into this. Four year starter. Four year starter. Like people are going to buy into years. the pedigree. Yes. People are going to buy into all the experience. Easily... And then the rise 
throughout that and the actual improvement throughout that and say, hey, I'm in. He would be right now. Because there's going to be quarterbacks go. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. It's not going to go the whole first round no QB goes. 100%. I'm surprised you waited this long. At least three. And I'm just – I was waiting this long because – Early in the season, you know, who, who would Can't I Can't say Rattler. With? Exactly. Who would I gone with? They were, it's been all over the map. So I will say right now, Kenny Pickett should be, or in my opinion, will be the favorite to win like senior bowl player of the week. I think mm. he'll be he'll go there and yeah, dominate and people will I think if he if he gets accepted into the senior bowl and all that stuff, I do think or accepts the invite, whatever. I think Pickett will be like that favorite to um that favorite to be offensive player of the week or whatever it is. That's gonna do it for this week's tailgate, man. We got another or this episode's tailgate. we got another episode coming, mailbag trivia episode. Also going to preview the upcoming slate. Championship weekend, baby. We are going to Indy. Going to be there in Indy watching the Big Ten Championship against Iowa. Should be a fucking absolute treat. I'm excited for that one. 8 p.m. kick. Ten and a half point spread, but it's going to be a dog fest. What's a dog fest? Anyway, mm. until next time, Austin Kill. Westminster dog fest. <laughs> Mike Renner. Uh, tailgate. Tailgate.